0: Uh, so, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, just raise a hand and Brother Brian will, uh, do we have any Bibles, Brian? I don't know if we have any Bibles. <laughs> if, we have, if you need one, Brian will have, give you one if we have one. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, we'll get you one. But uh, we're going to look at Psalms, we're going to start in Psalms 55 today, Psalms 55, and I'll be totally transparent here. Uh, I was working on this whole other message and was like, wow, I'm doing good. I got most of it done and kind of like got half of it done and uh, couldn't finish it. I just was like, just felt like the air go out of the balloon. And I was like, okay, it started thinking. And I don't know, Friday night I started thinking about stuff and the Lord gave me a totally different message. So I'm trusting it's something we need to hear. If nobody else, I guess I needed to hear this, I'll be honest and say maybe this message was just for me, but that's a little bit of an audible from our John study, which I'm happy to do when the Holy Spirit tells us to do that. So Psalm 55 is where we're going to start, and uh, I want to I say this, um, that uh, we, live in, um, we live in overwhelming times. Um, overpowering times, mind-boggling times, uh, a, a time that we live that just seems to crush us with the weight and the burden of just living. You know, it's just a weird time we're living in. Uh, whether it's financial stress or, or just families falling apart or just fighting at home and abroad, frustration, fear, it seems like, and you don't have to say amen too loud, But it seems like everywhere you go, everybody you know is struggling with something. Um, And when you live in overwhelming times, it's easy to get overwhelmed yourself. Um, And I think of this analogy. When you drive your car, even though it might be a nice, shiny, brand new car, but when you drive it on broken roads, it's likely your car is going to break down like mine this week and that flat tire i have to deal with (laughs) right it was fun it's exciting times but it does nothing to do with the car i mean the bible says if any man be in christ he is a new creature so you're a new creature in christ and if you're saved but you go out there and you live and you walk in a broken world and you drive so to speak on broken roads and when you navigate a broken world like we have to it's likely that you're going to feel like you might break sometimes Like, you get overwhelmed sometimes. So I'm going to ask you, and you don't have to say amen to this one, but have you ever been overwhelmed, overpowered, upset, devastated, feeling just defeated? Well, the Bible's got a message for you. Because right there in the heart of your Bible, the word overwhelmed appears seven times in your Bible. And they all appear in the book of Psalms, which is the heart of your Bible. You know what that tells me? That the heart of your Bible deals with the overwhelmed heart that we all experience. Let's start in Psalm 55, verse 1. Give ear to my prayer. It's a a Psalm of David, if you have those headings and your chapters. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. You see, David, he was a good man, wasn't he? David was a man after God's own heart. There wasn't a king that was better than King David. He's, Jesus Christ is even called the son of David. But you know what? David knew what it was like to be overwhelmed. David knew what it was like to have his back against the wall and not know how he was going to get out of this mess. Look at Psalm 143. I'll show you another a prayer of David. Psalm 143. Like I said... This message is probably just for me, so just bear with me a little in my folly. Psalm 143, look at verse 1. There's another psalm of David. Psalm 143, verse 1, and the Bible says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. See, the Bible's a real book. The Bible knows what you're going through. The Bible puts people with their warts and all and sticks them in the Bible so you can find help For when you're going through those things, for when you feel empty and desolate, like you got nothing left, that's how David feels. My heart within me is desolate, my spirit is overwhelmed, and if you've ever been there today, the Bible has got a message for you, because the Bible knows all about it, It puts people that know all about it. Now, David's experiences picture, if we're going to get doctrinal, picture the nation of Israel. And that little nation of Israel is going to be overwhelmed in the Great Tribulation. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And that little nation is going to get so overwhelmed, they're going to have nowhere to turn but God. And they're going to finally turn to their Messiah, and he's going to step out of heaven and right all the wrongs and establish that kingdom that he's promised them. But you know what? Personally, his circumstances also picture the man of God. You, how many people are saved here today? Say amen. amen. If you know Jesus Christ, you're, you're a child of God. You know what those children of God, they're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be overwhelmed. You might be overwhelmed, not in the great tribulation, but in times of personal tribulation. Not Jacob's trouble, but times of personal trouble. What do we do? What do we need? Look at Psalms. Go to Psalm 61. I'll show you. The answer is right here. The Lord gave me this verse, and I'm just praying this verse could be a blessing to you. Just put that verse in my head on a Friday night, and I'm praying the Lord could do something with it. What does the man of God need when he feels overwhelmed? What do you and I cling to when we have those moments where we feel like the water is coming up above our neck and we can't breathe? Where do we turn? What do we do? This verse, I think, has the answer. When you're overwhelmed. Psalm 61.1, another psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God. A whole lot of praying going on. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Here it is, ready? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. They say, what do you need when you're overwhelmed? That verse has got the answer. I see three things. I'll give you the three points. And by God's grace, we'll touch on each of these today. What do you need when you're overwhelmed? Number one, you need direction. Number two, you need durability. And number three, you need divine deliverance. That's what you need when you're overwhelmed. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. If you need a title, When You're Overwhelmed. We're going to see what the Bible has to say. Father, we just love you today. We pray, Lord. I know you, you pulled this audible on me, and this study, Lord, refreshed my spirit. Lord, you flipped a switch in me, Lord. You flipped a switch in me that I think had been turned off for a while. So I thank you, if nobody else gets a blessing, Lord, I'm going to get me a blessing out of this message, Lord, and I pray your people get strengthened and encouraged, and our church would just walk out of here, Lord, with their heads lifted high, if their heads are hanging low. Lord, strengthen those feeble needs and those hands that hang down, Father. Be a blessing to your people, in Jesus' name, amen. So right there, number one in Psalm 61, number one I want to say is when you're overwhelmed, you need direction. Direction. You need guidance. You need supervision. You need leadership. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 2. Look at David's prayer. Look what he's saying there in Psalm 61, verse 2. He says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, he says, lead me. See, that's the first thing David does after feeling overwhelmed is he prays to God, oh God, lead me. You know what that tells me? That the first thing you need to do when you're feeling overwhelmed and you feel the waters are rising up and you can't swim anymore, you gotta pray for God to lead you. You gotta pray for God's direction. Because you know what happens, brethren? And we've all been there. When you're overwhelmed, it's easy to scatter. When you're overwhelmed, it's easy to panic. It's easy to start running around aimlessly like a chicken with the proverbial head cut off. You forget everything about the Bible and you're just like in panic mode and you start running around. That's exactly where you got to say, God, 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 lead me. I need direction because I don't know which way to turn. Brethren, when that oncologist said leukemia last year, let me tell you something. It felt like the walls were closing in. My wife, who's tough as nails, almost passed out. I had to sit down. The room went, wow. you know, she saw white. She almost passed out. Thoughts start running through your head. <laughs> what do we do? Where do we go? What's going to happen? Is my boy going to be okay? All these thoughts start running through your mind when you're overwhelmed, and when you find yourself in a dark valley. That's when you need your shepherd to lead you. And if you look at Psalm 23, let's look at that beautiful psalm. We'll obviously be in psalms a lot today. But it's precisely when it's dark that you most desperately need to get as close to your shepherd as you can. I know you're doing fine, okay, on a beautiful, sunny Sunday morning. But when it's a rainy Tuesday night and nobody's there to pick up the phone and those thoughts start whispering in your ear, you got to get as close to your shepherd as you can. Lord, lead me, because I'm in some deep waters here, Lord. Look at Psalm uh, 23. Look at this beautiful psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You won't have to lack for anything if you got him. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Watch this. He leadeth me. Beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You say, when everything gets crazy, when everything starts falling apart, when it looks like your world is crumbling and you're getting overwhelmed, you just got to get yourself close to the shepherd. You know why? Because your shepherd knows how to bring you to a place where the waters can't come into the boat. Where the food is there and the pastures are there and you'll be safe. Even though everything still might be going crazy, the Lord can lead you to a little pasture in the midst of that valley. That's what the good shepherd could do, the great shepherd and the chief shepherd can do. And you know what the Lord might do in your life, brethren? Because we don't really think we need him like we need him. The Lord may let things get go crazy in your life so you learn to let the shepherd lead you. I'm not saying he wants bad things to happen, but sometimes he may allow things to come into your life, like a leukemia diagnosis, so you realize how little control you have and how desperately you need the shepherd to guide you through the valley into the promised land. Look at, uh, don't look at anywhere. You know why you need the shepherd to lead you? Because you were never meant to lead yourself. You weren't meant to do this on your own. Even since the garden Jesus Christ was coming down to walk with them and fellowship with them and speak to them. Why would you try to live this life on your own? Why would you try to navigate your circumstances on your own? You're supposed to be his sheep. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need somebody to follow. He said, I'm not a follower. Then you're an idiot. Because everybody's following somebody. I recommend following the one who never fails. I recommend following the one who is altogether lovely. I recommend following the one who says, if it were not so, I would have told you. That's the one I'm following, and I make no shame in following him. I make no shame in saying, Jesus Christ is my crutch, he's my legs, he's my floor, he's my oxygen, he's my all in all. You need the shepherd to lead you. You know what Jeremiah said in the midst of all Jeremiah was going through? Jeremiah 10, 23, he said, O oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You don't know what your next breath is going to bring. How could you possibly think you're going to navigate the next 10 years of your life? You need the shepherd when you're overwhelmed. Have you learned that lesson? Jeremiah had to go through some rough stuff to finally say, I know, I got it. I realize that you're the captain. You're not my co-pilot, you're the plane, (laughs) right? You're everything, I need you to lead me, I need you to direct me. Have you learned that lesson? Are you letting the Lord Jesus Christ lead you? Hey, man, if he's your guide, enjoy the ride. Mrs. Dean always used to say, don't be afraid. You see, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Man, you might be going through some deep water now. I don't know a room this size, this many people. I'm sure there's stuff going on that you don't want to tell anybody about but God. Listen, God's got a message for you. When you're overwhelmed in the valley, ask the Lord to lead you. I know it's still dark. It's still the valley of the shadow of death. It does, but he wants to see will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you heed what I say? Will you get as close to me as you can? Why wouldn't you? Isn't that strange? Why wouldn't you? If Jesus Christ wants to be that kind of shepherd for your soul, why wouldn't you get as close to him as you can? Why wouldn't you submit to him? Can I show you the kind of leading that he gives his people and his sheep? Go to Psalm chapter 5. Can I show you how he leads us? You follow me, you might end up in a ditch. You follow him, you're not going to end up anywhere but better. Look at Psalm chapter 5. Some things here about God's leading. Look at Psalm 5, verse 8. The Bible says, um, here's the psalmist praying again. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. You know what the Lord's going to do? He's always going to lead you in the right direction. Lead me in thy righteousness. Lead me in the way that's full of right. That's what righteousness means. Full of right. You know, God will never steer you wrong all right? You might steer yourself wrong, and God might have to get you back and correct your route on your GPS, but God will never steer you wrong. He'll ne- I'll say it again, because some of you doubt it. God Almighty, through that book, will never lead you in a way that is not right. Go to Psalm chapter 25. I'll show you another one. Psalm 25. What else is his leading? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to bait you. I'm trying to Coax you into letting him lead you here by showing you what kind of leading he gives you. Psalm 25, 5 is another thing about his leading. The Bible says, Lead me, here's David again, lead me in thy truth. You see, the Lord is going to lead you with his word. It's right in front of you, people, in sixth grade English, in 75% one syllable words. You got a room of people here that would like to help you learn it. God's not hiding. He said, I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. He says, I made it right there for you to get. I put a, he put the manna on the ground so anybody could pick it up. He's not hiding it in some thing up there that only one guy can open up and take out. No, guess what? All of you with a King James Bible in front of you and the Holy Spirit of God can reach down and get some fresh bread from God's oven and be led in his truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth, and nothing of God's leading will ever go contrary to that book. Amen. You're doing something contrary to the book, and you think you're right? I'm here to tell you, you're dead wrong. Amen. No leading of God that's right will ever contradict the revealed word of God. So, put that in your pipe and don't smoke. All right, go to Psalm 27. Go to Psalm 27, verse 11. Something else about his leading. Psalm 27, 11. Psalm 27, David again, wow. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. You know when God leads you? He leads you in the light. He leads you in clarity, not confusion, for God is not the author of confusion. He leads you with direction, not with doubt. He leads you in a plain path, not a perplexing path. God's not trying to confuse people. God's not trying to mix things up on you. All this murky, shadowy, emotional, slippery stuff that occupies your mind is not from the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's slippery about that? The Holy Spirit says, ye must be born again. What's slippery about that? The Holy Spirit says, I am God and there is none else. What's slippery about that? But the world can't stand plain, straight truth, so they want to hide behind all this, I don't know if I'm dancing here, what I'm doing here. I need some glow sticks. All right, but you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Elevator up, I know what's going on. But uh, you know, I went back, I just did a 90s throwback right there. But you know what? The world wants to make it, like, murky and sneaky. You still don't understand my feelings. I don't need to know what your feelings are. I know what the Bible has revealed as truth, and you don't are, you're not an exception to that. God keeps The Holy Spirit gives conviction. The Holy Spirit, when you're in sin, the Holy Spirit right now, if you ask Him, will put His finger on it and say, you're proud, you're angry, you yelled at your mother, like, not you, Skylar, but you yelled at your mother, right, you did this, it'll point out the sin. It's the devil that likes to meander in this little cesspool of guilty feelings, you know. You're just no good, you're just a bad boy. This indiscriminate sense of guilt that just keeps you shrouded in misery and keeps you kind of like afraid to do anything. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, here it is, son, you are gonna fix it? A plain path. The devil is murky and confusing and confuddling. Look at uh, Psalm 31. Anybody amen on that one? Amen? (laughs) I'm glad God helps stupid people like me. Psalm 31. Look at verse number 2. Psalm 31, verse 2. This is God's leading. This is what it's like. Psalm 31, 2. David again. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. You know what I see there? That God's leading always ends up in glory. God's leading always ends up glorifying God. It always ends up bringing God the praise because God is going to be the one that could work that deliverance out. God's leading never leads you to be ashamed You'll never be ashamed if you follow God's lead. Good as Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I know, we'll get back to John another day. Psalm 139. Look at verse 23. I just want to help you today. I get excited because God's willing to condescend and let me see something in the Bible. Psalm 139, verse 23. The Bible says, Search me, O God. That's a good question to ask. And know my heart he's the only one that really knows it try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting you see the lord's going to lead you in his way and his way lasts forever his way never fails His way is an everlasting way. You got to get out of your ways and get in His way if you really want to get to the place that God wants you to go. And finally, Psalm 143, verse 10. Psalm 143, verse 10, maybe across the page or a couple of pages, depending on the size of your pages. Psalm 143, verse 10. Look what the Bible says there. Again, a Psalm of David. I guess David did a lot of praying like this. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. My dear brethren, when you learn to let the Lord lead you, you know what you're going to end up in? A place of blessing. The land of uprightness, the land where you can walk without shame, the land where you can walk in victory. It's the land that when you cast all those burdens upon the Lord that are weighing you down, he says, I w- if you let me lead you, you'll walk again upright. You'll walk again in a place of victory. Because when people are down and people are overwhelmed, you could see it in their body language. Shoulders roll, head looks down. And they're just walking with a very different gait, with a very different direction, with a very different way of walking. God says, if you would follow my lead, I'll get you through the valley, and you'll walk upright again. You'll walk hopeful again. You'll walk promising again. You'll walk in victory again. It's okay to be overwhelmed, but God doesn't need you to stay overwhelmed. God says, would you let me lead you? Are you overwhelmed? Huh? feel like you're spread so thin you might break beneath the weight. I know. I know. Been there. Still there. Can I tell you, if you're in deep water, are you going to ask the Lord to lead you? Or are you going to try to drown by yourself? God says, you're drowning. You're sinking. Would you let me lead you? No, I got it. Are you swallowing gulps of water and the current is pulling you down? No, ask the Lord to lead you. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Let's get out of Psalms for a second. Can I show you God's heart? Some of you think God's angry. You think God's mean. Religion has made you think that God is like this scary guy. You got to talk to his mother, you know, because he's just so mean and scary, you know, that you can't actually approach him. No, you can and you should. I don't need to go through anybody else. I don't have to go through this one or that one or anybody else. You know, we go, go right to God. Because this is, this is your Savior's heart. This is your shepherd's heart. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he's sitting there looking at his city of people that professed to know God, but in works were denying him. And it says in Matthew nine thirty-six, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with, condemnation no he was moved with criticism no he was moved with compassion why on them because they fainted and and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd That's the Savior's heart. I bet he's looking down over this congregation right now and he sees some of you trying to do it on your own and he sees some of you sinking. And you know what it does? It breaks his heart because he has compassion on you. He doesn't want you to faint. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want to see you just throw the Bible overboard. He's like, would you just let me lead you? I want to be your shepherd. And he has compassion on you. Will you submit to the Lord's leading? When he says, follow me, that's what the shepherd's knocking today. He's saying, will you follow me? Will you? Amen. Amen. You know, when CJ was diagnosed, and listen, I can only preach what I know. So that's what I've been living for the last year. So I've, I've been getting illustrations everywhere about, you know, through, through, through cancer treatment. But, you know, when CJ got diagnosed, we asked, obviously, what do we do? And you know what doctors do? They gave us guidance you know you ask him a really pointed question well we can't tell you what to do we can only give you guidance right i remember being asked that should i should i cancel this should i do that no we can't tell you what to do mr mishanya we can only give you guidance and it was up to us to follow or not follow their guidance And brethren, God is not going to pick you up out of your situation by your hair and drag you to the place of victory. He can only give you guidance. He can only tell you what you should do and what you can do to get where you want to be. It is up to you to follow or not follow the shepherd's guidance. I hope you follow the shepherd's guidance and follow God's lead you got to stick around to know what that is. got to be in the book to know what that is. got to be praying to know what that is. got to be walking with God to know which way He's leading you. Because if you step out of church and you close your Bible and you stop praying, and you're like, why isn't God leading me? It's because that's how He leads you. He leads you through His Word. He leads you through the fellowship of the brethren and the teaching of the Word of God. He leads you through prayer, individually and corporately as a body. That's His mechanism. It's not that sneaky. It's not mysterious. But success, somebody said success, is basically showing up. (laughs) If you show up, and I bet you, if you start going to services consistently and reading your Bible consistently, I challenge you to tell me that God hasn't given you any leading. Amen. When you've been asking and looking for it, that's all we can do. We're the sheep of his pasture. We were made to follow the shepherd. You know what Watchman Nee said? He said, we have no ability to offer save to obey God's guidance. Yeah, what can I do, God? God follow me. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? Follow me. Well, what about this? I don't know how to fix that. All we have is the ability to follow the shepherd. That's the first thing I see when you're overwhelmed. You need to get back to following the shepherd and make sure you're listening to the shepherd's voice and seeking the shepherd's face and getting as close to your good shepherd as you can so you make it through the valley. Go to Psalm 61. Let's go back. Let me show you number two. Number two, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry at anything. I'm just uh, trying to help you today. If I get, emph- if I get emphatic, it's probably I ate too much salt yesterday or something. Psalm 61, verse 2. That's my Italian. Psalm 61, verse 2. The second thing I see when you're overwhelmed is, yes, you need direction. And then number two, you need durability. You need to lean on something that lasts. You need to rest on something that endures. You need to turn to something that never changes. Psalm 61, verse 2, the Lord uh, David says, lead me, that's one, to the rock. That's two. See, when David was overwhelmed, he knew he needed to find the rock he say, why did he need to find a rock? Why was he looking for a rock? Because I, Can I speak personally? When you're overwhelmed, brother, you feel like you're in free fall. You feel like you can't find the bottom. Like somebody just pulled the rug out for you, and you're desperately looking for just something you can land on so you can stand again. Oh, I definitely touched on something. I think we all feel that. Right? feeling like the world got turned upside down, feeling like up is down and down is up and left is right and right is wrong and wrong is right. You don't know what's going on. You know what you need to find? A rock that you could stand on and find a place of rest and refuge to stop the free fall. Go to Psalm 18. Let me show you the rock. Psalm 18. Look at verse number 2 of Psalm 18. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress because you're going to battle and my deliverer he'll win the battle for you my God God is the rock my strength in whom I will trust. you got to decide to trust Him. My buckler, that's that shield on your arm for close contact. And the horn of my salvation, that's what they would blow when they won the battle. And my high tower, that's what gives you the vision to see beyond the skirmish. Look at verse number 31, 31, 31. For who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God. God is the rock, not Peter. Okay, Peter's not the rock. Jesus Christ is the rock. If you still think Peter's the rock, I'll explain Matthew 16 for you. Somebody told you the wrong way. That's not what he meant, right? When he said, "Upon this rock I will build my church," he wasn't looking at Peter because a few verses later he called Peter a devil, right? So he's not going to build his his church on a devil. He said. Upon this rock, what you said about me, Peter, right? Whom say ye that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, that's good. I say unto thee, thou art Peter, which means a stone. And upon this rock, what you said about me, I will build my church, right? Jesus Christ is the rock, the rock of our salvation. Look at verse 46, 46. The Lord liveth, and because bl- he's alive, brethren. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. When you're overwhelmed, when you're in trouble, you need the rock. And there's only one you need. It's Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4 says, They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock, capital R, was Christ Jesus Christ is the rock because Jesus Christ is the God of your salvation. Jesus Christ is the God that never changes. And Jesus Christ is that sure foundation that helps you find a place of rest when you're overwhelmed. He's the rock. Go to Psalm 61 again. Bless you. Psalm 61. Look at verse number 2. Psalm 61, verse 2. There's an interesting word that pops up a lot in the book of Psalms. Psalm 61, verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Because he's helped you in the past, let him help you in the future. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert, the covering, of thy wings, Selah. That word Selah appears 71 times in the book of Psalms. 71 times God uses the word Selah in the book of Psalms. And many have said, well, of course it's going to show up in the book of Psalms, because Selah means pause. It means rest, like a, like a rest in a, in a measure of music. You see there's musical notes and then there's a rest and you're supposed to pause and rest. And the book of Psalms is our, was the songbook of the nation, right? It's the songbook of your Bible. So, of course, there's a little bit of Selah in there. There's some pauses and some rest. But can I tell you something? Selah is more than a pause. It's a place. Because in the great tribulation in the future that remnant of Israel that decides to follow God and not follow the Antichrist, they're going to find refuge in a place called Selah Petra, which which is the rock city. It's in southern Jordan. It's there now. There's all these little clefts in the rock where you can go and make your abode in the rock until the calamities of the tribulation be overpassed. And if you look at Psalm 62, what I'm saying is look at Psalm 62, look at verse number 4. If we're saying that the book of Psalms is about Israel coming through the Great Tribulation, it's not just a pause that they need. It's a place that they need. It's not just a timeout that's going to help them. It's a covering and a rock that they can hide themselves in. And that's what you need. Because guess what? When you're going through things, you can't just go timeout. I remember my old Saved by the Bell days. Zach would look at the camera and go, timeout. And he would stop everything. Saved by the Bell was a show on TV that... We used to watch on Saturdays, all right, those of you that don't watch TV anymore and just Netflix stuff. He'd go, time out, and everybody would, would freeze and he would try to fix the situation. Guess what? We can't do that. I've been trying. People think I'm teeing them up. No, 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 I'm just trying to do a time. can't. You know what you need? Not a pause, you need a place. You need a place that you can resort to and find safety and refuge, which will give you that pause, that rest, when everything's going crazy. Is he Psalm 40, Psalm 62, verse 4? They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight, he's speaking about the wicked, in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. The book of Psalms says, Selah, over and over and over again. Not to just pause the music, music, but to tell that nation, there's a place where you can hide. So the calamities be overpassed. You can hide yourself in the rock. And God puts it in there so you can remember when you're going through something, hide yourself in the rock. And that rock was Christ. Look at Psalm 71. Look at Psalm 71. Psalm 71, verse number 3. Psalm 71, verse number actually one. Psalm 71, one. The Bible says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation. It's a place where you can live, brethren, a place where you can hang out, just get under the wings of God. a habitation whereunto I may continually, continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Can I tell you why struggle when you have a Savior you can turn to all the time? Says the word continually resort. Continually resort. He says, You got something going on today? Come talk to me. You got something going on tomorrow? Come see what I have to say in my word. You got something coming on in five years? Keep coming. You can continually find refuge in the rock. Let's go to Matthew chapter seven. Let's make it really tangible now because it's like a fuzzy feeling. Let me just go find God. You're not going to find God at the beach, you're not going to find God on the boat. You're not going to find God, like, sitting in your backyard when the weather's nice and it's twilight, you know, the sun's about to go down, it's a cool summer breeze, and you feel like in the rustling grass, I hear him pass. Like, no, that's not how it happens. It's a nice song. That's not how it happens. You find the rock in God's book. Because if you follow God's lead, you will find God's book. Because God always leads you to his word. He always wants you to feast on his word. He always wants you to find refuge and counsel and strength in his word. This is the rock. You've got it in your hands. You can't get to the physical Jesus Christ. You can't touch the incarnate word. He's up there in heaven, but you can lay your hands and your eyes on the written word. There's your rock right there. And some of you leave him aside too long. In the Old Testament, in the in the in the desert, that rock followed them. You know what God's word is trying to do? He's like he's sitting on your coffee table. You know, open me up. (laughs) He's sitting there in your in your car where you left him last Sunday. Read me. Right? The rock, the book is trying to follow you around and say, Can you see what I have to say on the subject? Look at Matthew 7 24. Look what Jesus says over here. Right? He says, familiar verse, but let's look at it again. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, because God's going to send some things. And the floods came, because people are going to do some things. And the winds blew, because the devil's going to shake some things. And beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, because he makes it fall on the just and the unjust, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know why you need this book for people? You know why you need the Word of God? Because the floods are going to come. They're going to come. They're coming on the people that are following the Bible, and they're coming on the people that are not following the Bible. You might as well be the one that's following the Bible so you can stand when they do come. You know, when I go to that cancer ward, guess what? There's saved people in there, and there's lost people in there. You know, when you go uh, out and you see people, uh, you know, getting rained on in a few days or something, guess what? It's going to fall on your house, and it's going to fall on your neighbor's houses. The difference between success and failure when you're overwhelmed is preparation. It's what have you made your foundation? Because you're going to have those times when you feel overwhelmed. You're going to have those times when the floods are rising and the waters have fallen and the wind is beating like at Menalipin Day yesterday. <laughs> Thankfully, we had some rocks in those weights to hold that tent from flying halfway across Manalipin. But brethren, it's going to come. The question is, have you built enough on the foundation of the rock so that you stand and you don't fall. I'm a teacher. Don't judge me, but I'm a teacher. Why do we do fire drills? Why do we do evacuation drills? Why do we sadly do lockdown drills? You know why we do all these drills all year long? We do lockdown drills, we do fire drills, we do evac drills. You know why we do them? So that you're ready for the real thing. So if, God forbid, there was a fire or there was a lockdown, you're not running around overwhelmed like a chicken with its head cut off. You say, I know what to do. I've prepared for this. Hey, why do we tell you to come to church? Do you think we get some kind of kickback if everybody fills in the seats? I'm not getting five bucks a head here or something like that, right? There's no enrollment. There's no register. We're not like, okay, oh, well, man, we did good this week, you know grease me no nothing's happening like that no no benefit why do we tell you to come to church why do we tell you to do discipleship why do we tell you to plug in as much as you can to learn that book why so that you're ready for the real thing so when it hits you're like wait, wait 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 i know a verse about this I know a principle about this. I know some truth about this. I've practiced this. I've seen this in David's life. I've seen this in Abraham's life. I've seen this in Moses' life. I've seen this in other brethren's life. I've seen this in people's life. But if you've got no preparation, you've got no foundation, you're going to be the one that falls. Because it's going to come. It's going to come. you just got to be ready when it does come. Brethren, if you have no relationship with that book, you're going to have a hard time finding the rock when you need it. When it's happening, man, and you're in the throes of it, that's not the time to look for the rock and start reading your Bible. You need to be reading that Bible when it's sunny and the kids are healthy and everything's going good. And get as much of that Bible into your heart and mind and soul so when the sun's not shining and the kids aren't healthy and the boats are rocking, you've got some rock that you can lean on. You've got to prepare, man. You've got to prepare because the storm is coming listen, man, when the storm leaves you in the dark, it's too late to look for a flashlight because you're in the dark, right? <laughs> where did I put that flashlight? Where is it? You know, you got to have your go bag or whatever kind of set up so when it goes out, you know right where to reach. You know right where to turn. And you got to get as much of that Bible into your heart and mind so when something comes across the threshold of your life, you know right where to turn. You know right where to reach. You can find the rock. But you know what I see? I'll just speak frankly. So many of God's people are drowning because they have nothing durable to stand on. He said he needs something durable. You need something that's a rock. You need something that won't fail when the floods come. So many professing Christians are building their lives on sand. Not scripture. They're building their lives on somebody's opinion. That's on a on a social media post. Are you insane? Like, are you that's just another sinner like yourself. That TikToker is just another dingbat like you. That I don't care if it's a movie star, I don't care what they get paid to pretend to be people. They're not experts in anything. Terry was telling about this guy, right, this actor, I'll name his name, Chris Evans. He was asked about something about, you know, some controversial thing, and he gave his opinion. I would just like five seconds just say, just stick with the shield, bro, because nobody cares about anything you think about anything. You're an actor. You pretend for a living. I don't care what you have to say. You know who you should care about what they say? God. What does God have to say? Because he's the one that's the rock. Everybody else is saying, well, my friend said this, and grandma said that, and this Facebook group said this, and this person said that, and this person i never met said this, and this YouTuber says that. They're just other people like you. They're as blind as a bat like you. You need somebody with vision of the whole thing. That's God. Oh, man. I don't, let me get off that before I get myself in trouble. But everybody's building their lives on things that are finite and subject to change, and shifting, and movable. You wouldn't build a house on sand. You wouldn't do it. you got to get down and dig down to where you can find some bedrock so the house stands. Oh, you go over to a marsh. Hey, I'm going to put my my two-story colonial here with my five bedrooms. You're going to put it there? It's going to sink. Oh, no, it's not going to (laughs) sink. Yes, it is. You can't build on sand. You're going to take a step in your life Because some unsaved friend at work gave you some opinion? You're going to choose the course of your direction because something you read on the internet told you this might work? Do you see the ludicrousness of that? You're asking for a sink. You're asking to fail. You're asking to be overwhelmed. I'm counseling you, prepare by getting on the rock as often as you can. There are 168 hours in a week, 1,140, 1,440 minutes in a day. How many do you spend building your life on the rock of God's sayings? There's 1,440 minutes today. How many of those minutes apart from this right now? Will you spend even contemplating the eternal words of God and the rock of his sayings? There are 168 hours this week. Will you give one of them outside the hour and a half or two you give here to consider what God has to say for your life and your direction? And you wonder why you feel like you're sinking. You wonder why things... You know, do you even know what the Bible says about marriage or family or money or your purpose... I just want to live my life. Do you even know what your life is? What it's supposed to be? How do you not consult with the one that gave you that life? You say, I want to get married. Find out what God has to say about marriage. Well, maybe I'll have children. Do you even know what the Bible says about having children? Are you going to figure it out while you're going through it? That's not the way to do it. That's looking for the light in the dark when the flights have gone out. You need to prepare as best you can now before the storm comes. Because if you have no foundation, what will you stand on when you're overwhelmed? If you haven't plugged anything in there, what are you going to stand on when you feel your knees buckle? When you feel yourself get faint? When you feel like you can't go on? Where's going to be the light? You better have some tucked in there. Hey, if you haven't gathered any smooth stones from the book, how are you going to slay that giant? you got to go down and grab yourself some smooth stones that the water is tested and the water is proved and get you something you've proved yourself and have it in your sling so when that giant comes out and rears its ugly head in your life, you can put it flat on its back. He said, I don't know if I'm saved. You better get yourself some scriptures, find out how to get saved. He said, I don't know if I'm sealed. You better get yourself some scriptures and find out. You better get yourself some scriptures, man, because the giants are out there. You know, my son Christian said something. I've I've quoted it, and he didn't mean it in seriousness, so please don't call a social worker. All right. But he said, you know, at one point, months and months ago, he said, man, Daddy, if I had to go through all this without God, I think I'd want to kill myself. That wasn't my testimony. That was his testimony. And I wonder, though, how many Christians are dying on the vine because they built themselves on sinking sand. They built their lives on sinking sand, and then it hits, and they're like, oh, they wilt. You go to Romans chapter 15. I better hurry. Hurry with me now. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Romans 15. Romans 15. That TikTok digression always gets me in trouble. Always gets me in trouble. There must be some TikTokers in the room. I don't know. You you could do worse, I know, but. Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4. Look what God did here. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have, what's that next word? Say it louder. Hope. God gave us the manual for all things that pertain to life and godliness so you can have hope when you're overwhelmed. Can you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 16? Let me just finish this point here. Go to 2 Chronicles, that's the Old Testament, not Corinthians, but Chronicles. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Can I tell you a quick story about a man by the name of Asa? He was a good king, Asa. Started out good, Asa did, but he fell, and he failed, and he sunk because he decided not to lean on God anymore. 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 7 He's made a deal with the king of Assyria. He's turned to the world. He's turned to the wicked. And it says in 7, And at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Assyria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. If you flick to chapter 14, verse 11, you see Asa crying out to God. It says in fourteen eleven, and Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O oh Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. And you know what? Verse 12, the Lord smote the Ethiopians. The Lord gave him the deliverance because he was bold enough and had enough faith to just lean on God. When you go back to 16, the prophet's telling him, didn't God help you? And then in verse 8, he says, uh, verse 9, he says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Right there, Asa should have done what? He should have repented. He should have said, God, you're right, I'm leaning on the wrong stuff. But Asa did what a lot of people do he got proud, he got angry, and he got stupid. Verse 10, then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. Got angry at the preacher because the preacher told you to trust God. Craziness, right? And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the 30 and ninth year of his reign, interesting, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. God said, hey, Asa, you ain't going to stand on my promises anymore. I'm going to smite your feet. And he gave him a disease in his feet, and he fell because he wouldn't rely on God. Brethren, this is the rock. Trust the book. I I know it sounds easier said than done, but just stay with it. And don't get mad when somebody points something out to help you out of it. Lean on it, man. If you won't make the time to learn God's principles, you're going to sink. You're going to sink. Corey Ten Boom, who went through the Holocaust, made a great saying. She said, let God's promises shine on your problems. Right? Find some of that rock to slay the giant, because that rock is your book for when you're overwhelmed. That's your rock. And finally, quickly, go back to Psalms. We'll finish in Psalms. I'll hurry very fast here. All right? I know Dad's in the oven. Psalm 61. All right? Psalm 61. Lastly and quickly, when you're overwhelmed, you need direction. You need to ask the Lord to lead you. You need the rock. You need some durability from the scriptures that you can land on and find some refuge in. And finally, when you've done those two, when you're overwhelmed, you just need to wait for divine deliverance. You just need to wait for God to show up because he will. See, Psalm 61 verse 2 is where we began our little message here. He says, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me, that's one. To the rock, that's where, that is higher than I. Because when you're overwhelmed, you got to look higher, brethren. You got to look unto the most high God. Because when the storm hits and you're overwhelmed, you know what happens? You start looking everywhere for answers, right? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to fix this? Who am I going to call? Not the Ghostbusters. Just look. Up. Look up. You don't need an inward look. Don't search your heart. Because he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, verse 26. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I just need to do some soul searching. No, you don't. You need to do some scripture searching. Right? Don't worry about what you feel. Find out what God said. You don't need an inward look. And you don't need an outward look. Right? Don't start asking around. You know why? Because Jesus said if the blind lead the blind, both fall into the ditch, right? You're just going to find another blind person that's going to tell you something you want to hear, and you'll follow the counsel that you want to hear. Don't You need an upward look. Go to Psalm 121, and let me show you the upward look. Hurry with me. Psalm 121. Psalm 121. All right? Psalm 121. David says again, or the psalmist writes, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. You need an upward look. You need that eye of faith to start turning to God and waiting on God, because why would you look anywhere else when you're overwhelmed? Why would you not look to the one who made heaven and earth? Listen, you see, like these law cases going on in the country and stuff like that. You know, it takes years to get a case to the Supreme Court like years and briefs and this circuit court and that circuit court and they get kicks this way, get kicked that way and all this stuff. But can I tell you this? And the Supreme Court's the highest court in the land. And once those nine robe people say something, we've all got to follow, right? Right, sure. Whatever you say, Mr. Roberts. Right? But that's the highest court in the land. And it can take years to get your case to be brought before that court. But can I tell you, if you're saved, you can come boldly unto the throne of grace to find help in your time of need? Anytime, anywhere, 24-7, you can walk into that throne room by the blood of Christ and speak to the judge of all the earth? Wow. The one that sits upon the mercy seat who wants to give you grace and mercy to help in a time of need? Why would you look anywhere else? Go to chapter 123. Chapter 123, David says it again. David says it again. He says, Psalm 123, 1. Unto thee, lift thy up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that he have mercy upon us. He says, God, we're just going to keep looking to you until you Help us out. Because we're doing what you said to do, and now we're just going to wait faithfully like a servant looking to his master for you to bring the deliverance that only the divine hand of God can bring. You wait, brother. You keep waiting, sister. God's not going to let you down. He ain't going to let you down. And God in the tribulation is going to let Israel go through great tribulation. Why? So they turn their eyes unto the Lord and realize He's the one that can help them. Amen. Can you picture it? All those nations surrounding that little country getting ready to wipe it off the face of the earth and push that little nation into the sea. And when Israel is at its wit's end, when Israel is completely surrounded and completely overwhelmed, you know what they're going to do? They're going to look up and they're going to see Jesus Christ split the eastern sky and then he's going to come and he's going to deliver his people. Hey, when you're back, is against the wall, and you feel there's nowhere else to look but up, can I tell you something? It's an opportunity to see the Lord show up in your life. Deliverance is coming if you'll do what God says to do. You know what happens when you look up? When you look up unto the Lord, you see that God is bigger than you and all your problems. It's hard to be down if you just go out on that beautiful sunny day with your pair of shades on and just look up. Amen. I challenge you to feel depressed and keep your eyes looking up. Because something bio, you know, biophysical happens. When you're down, yeah. you look down. But I dare you to sing a song later and look up. Sing Amazing Grace. Sing uh, you know, To God Be the Glory with your eyes looking up and just keep looking up at that beautiful big sky and don't see if the Holy Spirit says, you see how small you are? You see how small those problems are compared to how big I am? You don't think I could help you? You think I've forgotten you? You think I'm not going to show up? He's going to show up right on time. You just got to wait on the Lord. Go to Psalm 25. i got two quick stops in Psalms left. Hurry with me now. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. I'm just trying to encourage you today. And now I'm seeing spots because I looked at those bulbs. So So don't look up at these bulbs. Look up at real light with, with UV glasses on. Right. What I'm saying, brother and sister, and I'm not just preaching at you. So for those of you who think I'm just preaching, come with me to Sloan. If you think I'm just preaching now, come with me one day and watch me stand next to my son. So I ain't just preaching at you now. I'm telling you something that's helped me and I know could help you. And I'm going to need it tomorrow like you're going to need it this afternoon or vice versa, right? If the Red Sea is in front of you and Pharaoh's army is behind you, just keep looking up. I say, Pat, with the Red Sea's in front of me, I can hear Pharaoh's chariots approaching me. Just look up. Deliverance is right around the corner. Deliverance is coming. Wait on God. He will deliver you. Psalm 25, verse 1 says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. You know what he's saying right there? It's never a waste to wait on the Lord. What does that mean, just sit there like this? No, to wait means to rest in expectation. It also means to attend unto Him without distraction like a waiter waiting on somebody, right? They're waiting for commands. They're waiting for orders. They're busying themselves in the things of their employer. So how do you wait on God? Keep loving Him. Keep trusting Him. And keep serving Him. That's how you wait on God. And if you'll do those things on the authority of this book, the Lord will never let you down. And deliverance is coming, brother. And it's coming, sister, if you keep your eyes on Him. It's coming, I promise you on the authority of God's word, it's coming. Amen. Because if God saved your soul by looking to him in faith, the Lord can save your life. Amen. If you look to him again, he saved Asa. But Asa stopped looking. Did he save your soul? Did he die on a cross? Did he go to hell and back for you? And you don't think he'll help you with that problem if you look to him now in faith again? The question is, are you going to look? Are you going to look up? A- Stop looking down. Charles Spurgeon said it well. He talked about, he's talking about that scene at the Red Sea when Israel had their backs against the wall. And Charles Spurgeon said, Stand still, keep the posture of an upright man, ready for action, expecting further orders, cheerfully and patiently awaiting the directing voice. And it will not be long ere God shall say to you, as distinctly as Moses said it to the people of Israel, go forward. Go forward. Go forward. Psalm 61. Let's end right there. Psalm 61. Brethren, we may live in overwhelming times. And we may feel overwhelmed at times. But I'm saying today God's people don't have to be overcome. I'm not saying it's a sin to get overwhelmed. I'm not saying it's a sin to kind of get those things rise up and kind of make you scared. I know that happens. But you don't have to stay there is what I'm saying. You don't have to stay there because when you're driving on a broken road, you know what happens when you're driving on a broken road, especially after winter and all the potholes and stuff? You know what you usually need? You occasionally need an alignment on your car. So you start driving straight again. And in Psalm 61 verse 2 is our alignment right there. When your heart is overwhelmed, you can get back on track by doing these three things, seeking God's direction, seeking the durability of God's book, and seeking the deliverance that only God can give. That is the alignment or the realignment for the Christian who gets overwhelmed. And if you'll do that, if you'll wait on God and take his prescription, if you follow the realignment like David, you will rejoice like David knew he would rejoice. Verse number five, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will, future, I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. He's saying, guys, it may not be with a click of a heels, but if you just stay with it, it's going to be okay. That's what he's saying. It's going to be okay if you stick with God. What you thought was going to overwhelm you doesn't have to destroy you. It can actually make you stronger and better and give you cause to rejoice. Like the, He didn't feel it right there. He says, I will rejoice, but he knew that God's deliverance was going to show up and I hope you have the same faith to hang on to God with both hands and do what God says to do. And in his perfect time, he's going to deliver you. And you will rejoice when you only felt remorse. Let's, uh, let's stand for prayer. Let's just stand together.